the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. And if we're ignorant of what the scriptures say, we don't know what we don't know because we've missed the opportunity to think biblically. And what he's telling us is this. There's nothing new under the sun. Things like this happen cyclically. It's an inevitable fact. You can't find anything that's going on or going wrong in the world today that hasn't gone on or wrong in the past. And so we don't want to forget the lessons of the past, and we don't want to forget what Scripture teaches us about how to view those lessons. I can see the promised land, though there's pain within the plan. There is victory in the end. Your love is my battle cry, the answer for all my life. Dragon will fall, the mountains will move, every chain of the past you've broken into, all the fear of the lies, we're singing the truth, that nothing is impossible with you. Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so delighted that you've chosen to spend time with us today on the broadcast. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's program, we'll be hearing a message from the sermon series that Pastor Keith has entitled, Cultivating Joy from the Ruins. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 10. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. As we gather here today, we are in the middle of this COVID-19 crisis. Many are concerned about how their world will change and what will happen next. They're asking questions, and we hope to answer these questions today. What now? What next? Our world is upended right now. Our world seems uncertain, and some are afraid and anxious and fearful, and that includes Christians. And so what we want to do today is just to help you to find joy in this trial, to help you find joy in its aftermath, to help you survive and thrive no matter what challenges, no matter what trials you'll face in this life. And as we ponder where we are today in the midst of this broader global crisis, I'm reminded of the fact that crises like this have come before and gone, and people around the world have survived and even thrived afterwards, particularly Christians. So what I'd like to do is give you sort of a tour of the crises, the global crises that have affected Europe and our own civilization over the centuries. And I want to start with the sack of Rome by the Visigoths in 410 A.D., Rome was overrun by Germanic tribes. It had not been threatened by a military in over 800 years. And the fall of the city of Rome in that event 
left Rome and certainly the rest of the world in a state of shock. Jerome, living in Bethlehem, commented that the city that had taken the world had itself been taken. People wondered if it was the end of the world as they knew it or if this was some apocalyptic event. Christians worried because they appreciated the stability that they had in Rome now that Christianity was legal. And Augustine, the bishop of Hippo, wrote to encourage and to, and to comfort Christians and to give them a perspective to see beyond the immediacy of the crisis. And that's when he wrote uh, one of his most famous pieces, The City of God. And he commented that the city of God is marked by those who dedicate themselves to the eternal truths of God, now fully revealed in the word of God and the Christian faith. He reminded them that the earthly city, the city like Rome, built by human hands, on the other hand, consists of people who, are immersed in, who have immersed themselves in the cares of this present passing world. Well, that's certainly a book for our time. But that was the first big one. The second big one came with the bubonic plague pandemic, and that was in 1346 A.D., about 700 or so years ago. The Mongols attacked the city of Kaffa in what is modern-day Ukraine. And trying to besiege the city, they used catapults to hurl corpses infected by the plague into the interior of the city. And it so unnerved the populace that those who fled, some uh, escaped by ship and sailed to Italy and brought the plague to Italy and the rest of Europe. And something like 25 million people died in the pandemic. And proportionally, that's a lot more relative to, to the population at that time than what we're seeing today. But a third, a third of Europe died in that pandemic. If we fast forward to the, 20, to the 20th century, we have World War I and the uh, Spanish flu pandemic. And it, what this was, was in 1918 and 1919, there was an outbreak of Spanish flu. And it resulted in those two years in 100 million deaths. That's about 137,000 people a day. One in 18 people worldwide. Some say it brought the war to an early end. And in 1918, more people died on the battlefield from the flu than from combat. And this flu was particularly unusual because it attacked young, healthy people and, and, and ended their lives. Within 10 years, there was another crisis that threatened the globe, the Great Depression and the stock market crash of 1929. There was a worldwide economic downturn, and it lasted until the outbreak of World War I in Europe Around till around 19, I'm sorry, it lasted. Stop it. Just stop it right there. Okay. All right, I'm just going to pick up with uh, it lasted or whatever. Okay. Then came the next major global crisis, and that was the Great Depression and stock market crash of 1929, which set into motion a worldwide depression that lasted until 1939. It was the longest and most severe economic downturn in modern history. It caused dramatic declines in uh, factory output, severe unemployment that makes everything we're seeing pale in comparison. The social and societal uh, cultural effects of this, of this crisis 
in America transcended and, and was far more severe than even the American Civil War, which lasted from 1861 to 1865. Some of you and some of us may remember the Great Recession of 2007 and 2009. This was much more severe. And then you think of World War II and the Holocaust and things like this. And what we see is this, is that these things come and these things go, and it is possible to survive and even to thrive in their aftermath. And today what I want to do is to give you hope. Because yes, changes are going to come. Changes have already taken place the way that we live. We're we're sheltering at home. Uh, When this crisis is over, We'll ask ourselves, what now, what next? How will we go to restaurants? Will we still shake hands? How will we go to to large gatherings? I'm reminded that the NBA and the NFL are probably going to cancel or at least abbreviate their seasons. Wimbledon this year has been canceled. But as bad as this crisis is, good will come out of it. Why is that? Well, because lives and, yes, eternities will be changed because people will turn to God for answers, and hopefully find Christ. And this reminds us of one thing that we should never lose sight of, no matter what is happening to us or around us, is that God is in control. As we live out our lives as Christians, we don't want to fall into the trap of like the two men on the road to Emmaus, where they had lost sight of Christ, they had lost sight of what he had taught, and they were trying to make sense out of their existence, and they almost missed the larger picture were it not for divine intervention. We need to remember, we need to stick to the facts that God is sovereign, that God is in control, and that there is something playing out in his redemptive plan far greater than what we can imagine at this moment in time. And so today, what I want to do is to help you to see beyond and through this crisis with and through the lens of Scripture. I want you to find joy in this trial as you take your place in redemptive history and as you serve as an encourager or a comforter to those around you. Today, I want you to find joy in the aftermath of this trial. I want you to be able to answer what now, what next, if anybody asks you. So our message is entitled, Finding Joy in the Aftermath. It is subtitled, Sticking to the Facts. Our passage is 1 Corinthians 10.13, it is from Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth. And let me give you a little background on that. Corinth was, in, was an unstable church. It was a very worldly church. It was a distracted church. They were abusing or misusing so-called spiritual gifts. They were suing each other. They were involved in lawsuits, gross immorality. And Paul is telling them to stop it, and he's warning them. And in the midst of all of this, as he warns and he cautions them, he also encourages them which brings us to 1 Corinthians 10.13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. I want you to linger over that statement there. In these two verses, we find Three facts that should enable us to find and maintain and hold on to joy in the aftermath of this COVID-19 crisis. Because this crisis will pass, and yes, our world will be changed, and things will be different, and things may be difficult. But there is hope and joy in the aftermath. And if we stick to the facts, we'll be able to find that hope and that joy and that peace that surpasses all human understanding. So fact number one is this, fact number one. 
This type of crisis is not new to God and is not new to humanity. This type of crisis is not new to God or humanity. There's nothing new under the sun. And where do we see that? Well, we see that in the opening words of our passage today. Call it 1 Corinthians 10.13a. No temptation, no situation has overtaken you that is not common to man, that is not common to the human experience. Back to Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. Think about it. Disasters have come before. The fall of Rome, the Black Death epidemic, the Spanish flu, the Great Depression, world wars, COVID-19. The happy truth is, is that God has built for us a resilient world, and he has made us resilient. That's his common grace, where he causes the rain to fall on the good and the evil both. And the, the other thing we know is because we have the scriptures, this cannot be the end of the world, because God gives a very explicit and detailed description of what that will look like, and this bears no resemblance to that. So what we want to do is be like the men on the Emmaus Road and allow God to open up our minds to understand the scriptures so that we don't get caught up in the hysteria or in the fantasy of this COVID-19 virus and where it will take us. Because again, none of this is unique to the human condition. None of this is a surprise to God. And so I, I take you to Ecclesiastes 1, 9 through 11. I quoted a piece of that just a moment ago. And in it, the Spirit of God speaking through Solomon tells us this. What has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said? See, this is new. It has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. Now he's saying a lot there. He's saying that one of the dangers that people face is they don't know what they don't know. And if we're ignorant of what the scriptures say, we don't know what we don't know because we've missed the opportunity to think biblically. And what he's telling us is this. There's nothing new under the sun. Things like this happen cyclically. It's an inevitable fact. You can't find anything that's going on or going wrong in the world today that hasn't gone on or wrong in the past. And so we don't want to forget the lessons of the past, and we don't want to forget what Scripture teaches us about how to view those lessons. So thankfully, I guess, if we say, what now, what next, this pandemic will come to an end. It will come and go. I'm not belittling the hardships that it brings, but... God will sustain his people. And he'll even sustain the people who aren't yet saved. I mean, when you think about the age in which we live, I mean, think about this. We're not living at the time of 410 AD when the Visigoths overran Rome. We're not living in the World War I era where the Spanish flu killed so many millions of people. We're living in the 21st century and in God's common grace and goodness, we have more technology, more supply chain understanding more resources than anyone has had at any point in history. Certainly more than the people had during the Black Death. We have access to medical care. We have things that no one else has had. We have more ventilators per capita in this country than any other country in the world. And more importantly than that, as Christians, we know that God has a plan. And his plans involve each of us each and every day. And now his plans are not necessarily our plans. And we, none of us would choose this pandemic, but God has. So 
we want to remember what God's word said. You know, we always like to quote this passage in Jeremiah. I know the plans I have for you. Plans for a hope. Plans for a future. The problem is for many Christians, for many who name the name of Christ, is they know that God has plans, but they won't look into his word to understand what they are and how they should conduct themselves in light of them. We don't want to make that mistake. And God's word tells us that this type of crisis is not new to God or humanity. That's the fact. Stick to it. Cling to it. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. This is not new. It is a big deal, but this too shall pass. And if you just cling to the fact that this isn't catching God off guard and that God has this plan and you're part of it, you'll find joy in the aftermath. Which brings us to fact number two. Fact number two is this. Christian, you trusted God for salvation. Trust him now. Or God is trustworthy. Fact number two, if you trust him for salvation, you can trust him now because God is trustworthy. Where do we see that? We see that at the very beginning, again, of, uh, of, of uh, 1 Corinthians 10.13. Right after it says, no temptation has overtaken you, it makes this statement. God is faithful. God is reliable. God is trustworthy. Call that uh, 1 Corinthians 10.13b. Uh, and this is the cause for joy because God is faithful. That's his nature. That's his character. It prohibits him from failing at anything or failing anyone. He is faithful even when we are not. He is faithful even when others not. He is with us wherever we go. There's no situation or circumstance that we're going to face that he's not with us. David knew this, and even in the most difficult times in his life, you can read about them in the Psalms, David wrote this in Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For because you are with me, your rod and your staff, they shall comfort me. And then he goes on to say, surely goodness and mercy will pursue me, will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David had put his trust in God. He had a home in heaven. God was with him in the deepest, darkest hours of his life. And God is with you right now. God is with you. His plan is to care for you like a good shepherd. He is faithful. And so in a manner of speaking, you're bulletproof until he calls you home. You know, he's fixed the days of your lives. He knows every day in the book of your life that was written before there was yet one of them. And he is the good shepherd. He protects his people and he does correct his people. And that is something to find joy in because you know what? A good shepherd, the good shepherd, never, ever takes his eyes off of his flock. And we see this elsewhere in Psalm 121, verses 4 through 7. Let me read that for you. And here, uh, the psalmist is writing about how God watches over the people of Israel, but in principle, it applies to us today. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither sleep nor slumber. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your, he will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this day forth and forevermore. These are the facts, friends, and we need to stick to them. We need to stick to the facts. When we say, what now, what next, we need to know that 
There is hope right here and now. There are causes for hope. There are reasons for joy. Because no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. And God is faithful. When you think about it, he's like your master designer. He's like the great designer and engineer of the universe, of the human body, and of the human condition. And later on in 1 Corinthians 10.13, call it 10.13c, it says this, He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. And this is why I use the analogy. He's, an, a, he's a design engineer. He's the ultimate design engineer because he knows your tolerances. He built everything. He built this world. He knows what it can take, what it can sustain, what it can't. He designed you. He raised you up for such a time as this. And he won't tempt you. He won't test you. He won't try you. He won't push you beyond your limits. Beyond your ability, it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, C. Because he's faithful. He won't abandon you. He won't, he won't overdo it with you. He's in the trial with you. God's got you right now. He's got the whole world in his hand. He's got your life in his hands. And nothing can rip you out of his hands because nothing and no one is greater than he. You know, Pastor Chris talked about James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. And he said that, you know, count it all joy whenever you encounter various and sundry trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let that endurance have its perfecting work, leaving you adequate and complete, lacking in nothing. God's not going to capsize your boat. He's not. He's going to sustain you in the trial. And so we know by experience that the testing of our faith is for our good, for preparation for the next act of service, the next task, the next assignment that God's going to give us. And he will not let let you be tempted. He will not let you be tried beyond your ability. And there is a fact that should produce joy in our hearts. God cares and he won't let us go. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, not height or depth, nothing. We talked about this last week. All things, all things work together for good. Rome fell, troops died, the economy really, really tanked in the Great Depression. But the city of God, the city not made by hands, people of the, of the body of Christ, his church, who, whose city is not made by human hands, but a sovereign and all-powerful, omnipotent architect whose builder is God, That city continues. Know, understand, and remember that this crisis is not the end of the world, and it's not outside of God's plan or his competence. It's part of a larger plan, and it includes all this upheaval. And it will help people prioritize their lives to clear the decks of the mundane and the trivial, like we talked about last Sunday with the men on the Emmaus Road. The plans that God had for them and he has for you are plans for a hope and a future. But it's up to us to familiarize ourselves with those plans, to look into the word of God and say, what does it say? What does it mean? And what do I do? And how then shall I think and live? So I want you to find peace, hope, and joy in this reality and in others. Remember that God takes care of the stars. He takes care of the universe. He holds all things together by the power of his word. In Isaiah 40, 26, we read this. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars. The one who leads them forth, leads forth their host by number. He calls them all. He calls them all by name. Because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, 
Not one of them is missing. Consider these implications for you. He knows your name. He knows where you live. You know, Jesus talked about consider the birds of the air. God feeds them. Are you not more valuable than these? Years and years ago, I was on the mission field in a place called Kiribati. It's spelled Kiribati, but it's pronounced Kiribati. And I remember going out at night because there was no big city. It was kind of a, I don't want to say primitive, but, you know, I was living with people who were kind of in a tribal village mindset and lifestyle. And since there were no lights, I could see all the stars at night. And it was incredible. And I thought of this passage where God, he knows the names of all of those stars and he doesn't lose one of them. Pastor Keith Crosby with today's Grace to Live radio broadcast. We are so grateful that you've chosen to spend this time with us today here on the program. And if you have questions about today's show, or if you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Keith, then I would encourage you to visit our website, hillsidechurch.org. There you can listen to past sermons and other content from Pastor Keith just by clicking the Sermon Archive tab. And you can also find links to Pastor Keith's blog, as well as the Out of My Mind podcast. The website is also a great place to connect with us here at Hillside. You can find information on our service times, ministry opportunities, and of course you can browse our calendar of upcoming events. Again, all this and much, much more can be found by visiting our website, hillsidechurch.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time on Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves, and on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you, and thanks for listening. Amen.